0: Welcome to the Movie Planet Season Five, Episode Sixteen. This week we're talking 1979's *Mad Max* with Joe. I've seen the style before. Terminal psychotic. <laughs> and Sam. They see me, tough Do They see me, man. <laughs> Welcome to the movie planet joining me is the toe cutter to my sexy jesse (laughs) sam how's life Oi, it's good are we gonna talk like this today yeah (laughs) this week you've nominated the mad max franchise mainly for mad max fury road i understand that right was it fury road or road warrior i think it was fury road you were all high on that and i was like well we should do all the mad maxes then because it's a franchise and you're like oh (laughs) we were yeah, okay, sure. We'll yeah. go with that. So we're starting with the 1979 Mad Max for the, well, 1980, depending on where you live, uh, for the action-adventure movie Pantheon, a movie made for $300,000 that brought in $99.7 worldwide. Woo! That is a lot. In, I just want you to, <clears throat> I just want. In 1980 dollars, that's quite a bit. In 1980 dollars, and I also want to put in the trance, the exchange rate. For US dollar to Australian dollar. This is the exchange rate. Oh. That's 99.7 US dollars. No, for the making of. Oh. No, that 300,000 is in US dollars. What it would be. Yeah, Australian? Yeah. Is even less. Right. That's nothing. Well, makes sense considering what I just watched. (laughs) There's not a whole lot on the screen, brother. Uh, yeah, because there wasn't much budget like, to deal with. I looked at the 300000 My first thought was, they destroyed $300,000 worth of cars. Wh- who, what else did they spend money on? People got to get paid. I heard that some people got paid in beer. That's part of the payment. <laughs> Written by James McCausland and George Miller, often original story by Miller and Byron Kennedy, directed by George Miller, music by Brian May. No, not that Brian May. The Australian one. Play a clip. (laughs) (laughs) I will not play a clip of that awful fucking soundtrack. (laughs) No, I meant a Brian May. Oh, (laughs) you want to hear "We Will Rock You"? (laughs) Just just a ripping solo. Now, domestically, this domestically in U.S. this movie made around nine million dollars total. It opened on April 12th, 1979 in Australia, but it didn't reach the U.S. until February of 1980. And even then, it was randomly opened in different cities through May. It had to complete with movies like American, American Gigolo and The Fog, Coal Miner's Daughter, Friday the 13th, The Empire Strikes Back, and one of your favorites, The Shining. It wasn't going to make money. Look, the deck was stacked. It was stacked, it was against, stacked them. against them. Yeah. Now I this, really would like to hear, and you'll probably bring it up, yeah we received it with an english dub so there's no australian which no they changed it to an american dub yes we received the american english dub yeah yeah well, because we both speak we, english that's not the, the, the <laughs> i don't is, understand what you're saying the the point is <laughs> one, one english speaking language they dubbed to another english speaking <laughs> language the movie set a record for most profitable independent film of all time. And it held that record until it was outgrossed by the Blair Witch Project. Damn. Yeah. Well, that was also, that made bank. I, how much did that was that made for? 10 grand? Uh, it was peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. Starring Mel Gibson as Max, relative unknown Mel Gibson, uh, Joanne Sam, and these, the rest of these are relative unknowns. Joanne Samuel as Jesse, Hugh Keysburn as Toe Cutter, and you will also see him again in Fury Road. Imoten Joe. Oh, you do know. Okay. Oh, of course I know. Steve Bisley is Jim Goose, Tim Burns is Johnny the Boy, Roger Ward is Fifi, <laughs> Lisi Aldenhoven <laughs> as the nurse, David Brax as Mudguts and Bertrand Guts. Kadar as Clunk. Now the action adventure film movie Pantheon consists of seven and only seven films. This movie might make it in today. Uh, Number one is Die Hard with an A minus. Number two is Die Hard with a Vengeance with a B plus. Live Free and Die Hard was number three at a B plus. Peter Jackson's King Kong is a B minus. Point Break at C plus. Die Hard 2 a D plus and number seven. The reason why we have what we call the F15 moment, a good day to die hard with a D minus. So we're gonna be losing a Die Hard movie I think in this one today. I'm going to try my damnedest. Just don't five armies this one. Don't be like, well, he gave it this. I have to give it something higher to get it up there. Don't oh, be- I'm, not, I'm not worried about me. Okay, <laughs> I'm already giving it a good grade. <laughs> the higher the grade we give it, the longer it stays there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out of the pantheon in the future. So let's run this movie down across the outback and see where it lands amongst the greats. And now that we've handled that business, <clears throat> let's get down to business! Sam... Do you remember seeing this for the first time? And what did you think? Why, yes. Oh. Yes, I do. Tell us a tale. I was in high school. I was a young high school boy. and My father told me about these movies before, and I had seen Road Warrior. I love how you speak the way that the, ba- the gang members do in this. Like, all over the place? <laughs> they're like a, no, they're all Shakespearean actors. Oh, yes. They're all dancing and singing. and No, they're all Shakespearean trained actors, yeah, apparently. Yeah, no, they're crazy. They're very th- that's part of the reason I love this crew of dickheads is they're so theatrical <laughs> there's something so quirkily dark about it like they're weird like almost like hook lost boys meets d- rapists <laughs> there was a scene i laughed out loud yes and i didn't know if i was supposed to laugh or not and yes when you are she walks in and she sees all these guys in this area and, and there's the a one dude guy up there just yes. like <laughs> posing and i'm like the <laughs> f- is this <laughs> Yes, they're fucking bananas. They're out of their fucking minds. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd seen The Road Warrior, and I didn't know that there was a prequel. I thought Road Warrior was Mad Max, mm. and uh, it was on Comcast Demand. Oh well, for those viewers that don't remember cable and Comcast when it was originally, we still got cable. <laughs> I don't have it. I have it on Xfinity. Evening. Is Comcast? Oh, yeah. Prior to Xfinity's buyout of, buy of Comcast. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure this was the first time I've seen this movie all the way through. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've never watched any Mad Max movie all the way through. So this is why I'm here. No quitsies this time on me. Absolutely not. I sat down and I watched this sucker. Even through Thunderdome. <laughs> I, I watched this <laughs> with the idea in my head that this is not episodic. This is going to be one Story of Max Rokotansky. Okay, so now that we've handled that business, let's get down to business. Inception to Perception, here we go. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys! Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. George Miller wasn't always a Hollywood director. Before he was the man in the chair, he was a medical doctor in Sydney, working in a hospital emergency room where he saw many injuries and deaths of the types depicted, well, in the film. Fun fact, he also witnessed many car accidents growing up in rural Queensland and lost at least three friends to accidents as a teenager. Here, now, for those who have never really seen rural Australia, you kind of have to question, how the f- does that even happen on a straight road that lasts about twelve hundred miles, at a stretch. I don't know. You I, could be hauling ass, but you're going straight. You are going straight. I mean, there's some turns. How the fuck? Like, apparently, there was. A <laughs> don't ton shoot of your car. argument in the foot as to how great the car chases is. If you start going, the road's already stacked against them on this one. I can put those. <laughs> hold on, but. Now, to its credit, and to the video you showed me, yes. the actor who plays Goose yeah. actually telling people at the bar a li- actual life car accident story, and that some of these crashes were actually reflections of actual car crashes that yes. they saw. Right. So, if that's the case, if you're going, you know, 150 miles per hour, and some person in a caravan turns around, you're going <laughs> to run straight into them. I get it. Probably, Yeah. So while in residency at the hospital, Miller attends a summer film school in 1971, where he meets amateur filmmaker Byron Kennedy. I wonder if they were watching uh, The French Connection, which also has an amazing car chase scene. Uh, The two men produced a short film, Violence in the Cinema, Part 1. By the way, there is no Part Part 2. Which was screened at a number of film festivals and won several awards. According to Miller, his interest while writing Mad Max was, quote, a silent movie with sound. You nailed that. Employing highly kinetic images reminiscent of Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd while the narrative itself was basic and simple. Miller believed that audiences would find his violent story more believable if set in a bleak, dystopian future. Unfortunately, Miller had no clue on how to write a script. But he had read Pauline Kael's essay, Raising Cain, and concluded that most major American scriptwriters like Herman Mankiewicz and Ben Hecht were former journalists. So he hired one, James McCausland. Jimmy was a Melbourne finance editor of the Australian with whom Miller had previously bonded at a party as a fellow film buff. So he doesn't get a scriptwriter, he gets himself a journalist who knows movies. movies. He can quote everything. Now, McCausland was paid roughly $3,500 for about a year's worth of writing. Because <laughs> when you get a guy who's never been a scriptwriter, you go, I can lowball this guy. <laughs> well, absolutely. But how much is that in 79? In 3,500. Oh, these are all numbers that are inflated that's to the, today's number. That's how much he was paid in nineteen seventy-nine. Yeah, so what's that today? I don't know. You've got a computer. These are the questions I'm these are the questions I'm interested in, Joe. Well, you've got a computer. As a movie journalist, these are the questions I beg to ask. Uh, he worked from a one page outline prepared by Miller, writing each evening from about seven to midnight. Then Miller would arrive at 6 the six next morning to confer on the pages. McCausland had never written a script before and did no formal or informal study in preparation, other than going repeatedly to the cinema with Miller and discussing the dramatic structure of westerns, road movies, and action films. McCausland took the lead in writing the dialogue. Miller provided the narrative context of each part and the visual beats of how things would unfold on the screen. And McCausland drew heavily from his observations of the 1973 oil crisis, effects on australian motorists so you asked me later on how do we know there's a gas shortage right yes yeah <laughs> you're reading right now aren't you well i was gonna tell you yeah how much is it in today's dollars 14.5 million for it no 14 dollars. dollars. okay for a year's worth of work that's way more than i thought it, it's more than i thought okay so what was your how, hard, how hard was this to write <laughs> I mean, I'm writing a script. I'm writing two scripts now and they're a motherfucker. Right, but I imagine that they're more intricate than the than Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> Did you make Mad Max 5? Shit. I Are shit. you writing fan fiction? Hey, hey. <laughs> this isn't supposed my publicist said uh, there's nothing to be released Tell now. Tell us. Tell us. <laughs> uh, what was your point about the gas shortage? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's a big big gas shortage in 1973. So he's like, okay, we'll make that the reason why. Oh, I, in the movie, there's no mention of it. That's why I'm confused, because okay. it says a few years in the future. Right. It's implied because they're always bumping off gas trucks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's implied that that's the reason why. Uh, Fast and furious. But, you know, if you don't explain anything in a movie, th- you wonder what the hell's going on, because it just looks like rural Iowa, and people are just having a good time in 1979. <laughs> Looking in a field. <laughs> Which we'll talk about. <laughs> Breaking a record on the movie planet. Kennedy and Miller first took the film to Graham Burke of Roadshow, who was enthusiastic. The producers felt they would be unable to raise money from the government bodies, quote, because Australian producers were making art films, and the corporations and commissions seemed to endorse them wholeheartedly, according to Kennedy. This is kind of an art film for action. I would say so. Yeah. In a weird like, the one of the reasons I really appreciate this movie is how simple it is. And it's not complicated, but that is also a drawback, is because it is very simple. Yes. Very simple. But it has so much heart to it. Uh, does it? What heart it are you seeing in this? The making of this movie. Okay. Every movie has passion that went into it. <laughs> From two doctors that had to do, like... Star Wars was two years before this. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) And your point. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Casting-wise, George Miller had considered an American actor to play the lead because that would get the widest audience. However, he opted out of this because the whole budget would end up going to the actor because they were American. (laughs) instead the cast would feature lesser known actors so they did not carry past associations with them Miller's first choice for the role of Max was Irish born James Healy who at the time worked at Melbourne Slaughterhouse and was seeking a new acting job upon reading the script Healy declined finding the meager terse dialogue too unappealing he would rather work in a slaughterhouse slaughterhouse than do a movie (laughs) and then how does he feel now well a star is born yes uh, casting director Mitch Matthews invited for Mad Max a class of recent National Institute of Dramatic Art graduates specifically looking for, quote, spunky young guys. Among these actors was American-born Mel Gibson, whose audition impressed Miller and Matthews and earned him the role of Max. I didn't know he was American-born. He was American-born, but he's an Aussie. Yeah. He must have been born here on a vacation and then went no, back okay. over. And then uh, Gibson's friend and classmate, Steve Bisley, who worked with him on his only screen role, 1976's Summer City, became Max's partner, Goose. Love Is this, this where they get Maverick and Goose, the sidekick that dies midway through the movie? It's very possible. It's yeah. very possible. I'm not going to claim that this movie's not inspiring no, to f- future no. filmmakers. No. Yeah. They clearly saw it. No, they definitely saw it. (laughs) Uh, Most of the biker gang extras were members of actual Australian outlaw motorcycle clubs and rode their own mice motorcycles in the film. They were even forced to ride the motorcycles from their residence in Sydney to the shooting locations in Melbourne because the budget did not allow for aerial transport. Three of the main cast members... Hugh Keysburn, Roger Ward, and Vincent Gill had a previously appeared in Stone, a 1974 film about biker gangs that is said to have inspired Miller. No, it did inspire Miller, so much that McCawson was like, we're copying direct scenes from this movie, and it works. There's a lot of copying. This works in this movie. It works. It works. Yeah. Filming wise, original filming was scheduled to take 10 weeks, six weeks for the first unit, and four weeks on stunt and chase sequences. However, four days into shooting, Rosie Bailey, who was originally cast as Max's wife, was injured in a bike accident. Production was halted and Bailey was replaced by Joanne Samuel, causing a two week delay. I like Joanne, so I I would've liked to see Rosie, but I thought Joanne was great. She did what she had to do. (laughs) She walked into the woods, walked to the beach, Walked back. Uh, spoilers. Sorry, sorry. Spoilers. We ran into Simple Jack. We need. We need. A- <laughs> he's, he's a nice boy. Um. In the, in the end, the shoot took six weeks over November, December, 77, with a further 6 weeks second unit. Uh, in May of 1978, the unit re- reconvened and spent another two weeks doing second unit shots and restaging some stunts. Miller described the whole experience as guerrilla filmmaking, where the crew would close roads without filming permits, not use walkie-talkies because their frequency coincided with the police radio, and after filming was done, Miller and Kennedy would even sweep down the roads Still, yes, (laughs) that's amazing. As filming progressed, the Victoria police became interested in the production, helping the crew by closing (laughs) down roads and escorting the vehicles. Because of the film's low budget, all but one of the police uniforms in the film were made of vinyl leather with only one genuine leather uniform made for stunt sequences involving Bisley and Gibson. So the most expensive one they used for their stunts. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. It's going to hold up better. Uh, How to piss on money. Okay. (laughs) Post-production wise, the film's post-production was done at a friend's apartment. (laughs) They got in the kitchen and a bedroom and edited the film and the, uh, had an an editing home built editing machine that Kennedy's father, an engineer had designed for them. Wilson and Kennedy also performed sound editing there. Gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, we're not in a professional studio here. You gotta do an apartment. Uh, Tony Patterson edited the film for four months, then had to leave because he was contracted to make Dimbula in 79. George Miller took over editing with Cliff Hayes and they worked on it for three months. Kennedy and Miller did the final cut in a process Miller described as, "quote, he would cut sound in the lounge room and I'd cut picture in the kitchen." It's like it's a lot of hands. It's that a one. lot of hands. This, <laughs> and this is like, there ain't not even close to a computer. Like this is real. This in film. This is slicing, sitting down <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> oh my god, this well, is grueling. Speaking of a great tying things together, this is a great tie-in for you. I and found this. Ale. No, no, no. I found this little tidbit today, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he will love this!" In '79, Mad Max was first released in Australia through Roadshow Film Distributors, which is now Village Roadshow—the same people who did The Matrix. Way to go, Village! Way to <laughs> go, <laughs> champions! It showed on two screens in Australia and made one thousand four hundred forty dollars in its first weekend. Then the movie was sold overseas for one point eight million dollars. American international pictures acquired the distribution rights for the United States while Warner brothers handled the rest of the world, which is why it made 9 million here and everywhere else. It made 91 million. (sighs) Yeah. One of these is better than the other. Um, The film was banned in New Zealand and Sweden. In the former, because of the scene where Goose is burned alive inside his vehicle, it unintentionally mirrored an incident with a real gang shortly before the film's release. It was later shown in New Zealand in 1983 after the success of the sequel with an R18 certificate. The ban in Sweden was removed in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> why can't we be more like Sweden? This is why. <laughs> hey, Looking out for their best interest. Right. Um, When Mad Max was released in the United States in 1980, nearly a year later, the original Australian dialogue was redubbed by American voice actors, including Mel Gibson's. It was one of the last films released by AIP before folding into Filmways, which had acquired the company the year prior. The only dubbing exceptions were the voice of the singer in the Sugartown Cabaret, the voice of Charlie through the mechanical voice box, and Goose singing as he drives a truck before being ambushed. I found the American dub on YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> enjoy that when you can it sure you don't want to hear a little bit i don't it? i've already i've already i'm good you've already done it oh yes oh okay yeah i'll enjoy that it's uh, it's unnerving they change words in it uh, i'm sure like instead for of the word, whatever we, reason well australian they say screen. here we say windshield uh instead of saying oi they say hey <laughs> The original Australian dialogue track was finally released in North America in 2000 in a limited theatrical reissue by MGM, the film's previous rights holders. And that's how the movie came to be. Jesus. <laughs> Woo. That's, that's a process. That's a process, but I imagine they got away with a lot more stuff because it was Australia because they couldn't get away with that shit here. Oh, hell no. Well, there's no good, like knock, like go. Okay. Let's just shut down a road. <laughs> That would never happen here. No, probably not. (laughs) But we don't have stretches of land the way that Australia has. That's not in rural America where Hollywood's afraid to go. Um, Okay. Let's get into this motherfucker. Here's a clip from the movie. I I wanna know what you're doing. The chain in those handcuffs is high tensile steel it'll take you 10 minutes to hack through it with this. Now, if you're lucky, you can hack through your ankle in five minutes. Go. You're mad, man. You think I look silly, don't you? Ha <laughs> ha! Don't bring this on me, man. Don't turn this to me, please. Oh, please, Jesus. Mad Max takes place a few years from now in the dystopian wonderland known as Australia that is facing a breakdown of civil order primarily due to widespread oil shortages. Central to the plot is a poorly funded national police unit called the MFP, the Main Force Patrol. MFP, yeah. Motherfucking police. Which struggles to protect the outbacks, few remaining townspeople from violent motorcycle gangs. This says a few years from now, but that doesn't age very well because it kind of feels like how we're living right now. Well, not, here, here, here's the deal. Uh, this says post-apocalyptic or dystopian, if you will. Yes, that's George you, Miller you saying don't, that. But yeah, but you don't have the budget for a dystopia. No, you don't. You don't have a budget, but, but you also have mechanics and a court with lawyers. Well, no, you have a hall of a justice. Hall, yeah, hall of justice, <laughs> which apparently is a run-down slaughterhouse. Yeah. But they call it the courts. Yes. Yeah. There's still lawyers. Still lawyers. Doctors, in this dystopian hospitals. future, <laughs> we get we get sex in the first scene of the movie. And how this, Australian is that? You gotta love it. This actually beats Basic Instinct in quickest nudity. Because in Basic Instinct, you had to wait two minutes and fifty seconds. In Mad Max, one minute and twenty-four. A new record. <laughs> Hats off. Well Hats done. Off. And it's I I looked this up. The actor and actress who are nude in this scene are completely uncredited. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they were just there and they just started doing it. And Jordan Miller was like, it. get the gun. You're going to be creeping on them. Um, but yeah, so th- th- this is how they set it up. I think it's a great setup. If I had not read this though, I would not know this is dystopian. I would not. No. I would think that these are just regular police. They have really cool cars. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool car. Oh, f- those Ford Falcons. Cool car. Sick. <laughs> it's, I will, I, I did not think I was going to say this, but in the pantheon of cars, if you could make a, a top 10, this might be number nine, number 10 on that list. It's bitching. It's pretty good. Um, across arid wastelands and lone highways, the escaped cop killer, Crawford, the Knight Rider Montezano. Night Rider! Did you know that he had a name? His name was Crawford Montezano. Oh, my God. I didn't even f***ing think about that. (laughs) I am the Knight Rider! That's the American dub. (laughs) That's not him. (laughs) How about this one? Uh, The Knight Rider. That is his name. Remember him when you look at the night sky. The Knight Rider flees police officers at high speeds with no regard for anyone or anything that gets in his way. MFP officers pursue the Knight Rider in a high-speed chase that results in several serious wrecks. Among those involved is a cocky motorcycle cop nicknamed Goose who radios Max. Max pursues Knight Rider in a high-speed chase, first beating him in a game of chicken and then catching up to him and hanging off his back bumper. The Knight Rider and his girlfriend die in a fiery crash. After the dangerous chase, Max's police chief, Fifi McAfee... I'll say that again. Fifi <laughs> McAfee warns Max that Knight Rider's gang will be out for him now because of Knight Rider's death. It's so weird. Every time I say Knight Rider, I think of like K-N-I-G-H-T. Knight Rider. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hello, Michael. <laughs> hello. Well, Knight Rider seems like a fun time. Is he high or something? <laughs> just high on life. Because I, I don't think his girlfriend says a word the entire time. No, she's all for it. She's just like along for the ride. And then but it was... It's such an interesting turn of events when uh, Max is on his tail and he knows it. Mm-hmm. So Max has a reputation, and it scares the shit out of him. He says, "It's over. It's over. I'm we're dead." Because he starts crying. See, I didn't. I didn't. He's like, "It's over, Max." He's like, "Get the fuck off me, bitch." Yeah, it's over. We're done. I it's thought over. it was a quick turn to start crying. I was like, "How's he even know?" Look in the back mirror. Yeah, but when he was going to the front, that's when he started freaking out. Didn't he? No. As soon as Max was on his tail, he was okay. freaking out. He was like, Oh, maybe it's oh, because sh- he was shit. We're done. He lost the game of chickens. So I'm a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so when Goose so when Goose leaves, he does the wildest roll off of a hood of a car I've ever seen in a movie. Like his legs Goose are straight a- up in the air as he rolls oh, over. <laughs> Goose is a man. <laughs> uh there's a little kid that shows up in the middle of the road. That kid should have been pet cemeteried in this one. That comes later. Oh, is this foreshadowing to that? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, this is a spoiler-rich podcast. So if you spo- have not seen this <laughs> since 1979, <79. laughs> uh, there's lots of wrecks, but it's all open road. I'm pretty sure most of these could have been avoided. <laughs> well, like I said, you know, if somebody's driving a caravan and they made a wrong turn, they got to flip a U E. It's going to take time. If you're in a chase, it's going to happen, but my favorite introduction to goose is uh uh here you go it's so fucking Aussie i love it it's when he crashes his motorcycle and slides into the wrecked car mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um <laughs> the du- the dude in the car is like what's going on and goose just goes i don't know i just got here mate <laughs> I, just, I don't know i just got here <laughs> yeah after the chase we go back to Mad Max's house and this is when I laughed for the first time in this movie. Because uh, it wasn't when Toe Cutter's eyes just like bulge? Nope. Oh, okay. <clears throat> nope, nope. Uh, this is when I laughed the first time in this movie because I'm a big fan of the Lethal Weapon movies. Okay. And in the Lethal Weapon movies, there's always Eric Clapton's guitar playing and there's always a saxophone playing. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And so they do this shot of him sitting at a table and it's moving up and you hear this saxophone playing in the background. You're like, okay, this is him decompressing and all that stuff. And then it cuts over to his girlfriend who's actually playing the saxophone and my first thought was, oh my god, this would be like airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and she's really going to town oh, on that brass. Sh- yes, she is. She's really into it. Really, really blowing that horn. Like I saw that and I was like, Oh God! Is the whole movie going to be like this? <laughs> <laughs> it's saucy. It sets it up. It's it's sexy, Jesse. Yes, it's sexy. It's exactly. Just like oh, I can't even say that. Sex, sexy, 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 sex, sexy, Jesse. Sexy, Jesse. Sexy, Jesse. Sexy, Jesse. Sexy, Jesse. Okay, moving on. Max, yeah. you fucking stud, you. Dude, <laughs> take me to bed or lose me forever. <laughs> <laughs> No, Mel's a stud. <laughs> um, the next morning, the kid is playing on the floor with a stuffed animal and a gun. <laughs> uh, what? That's just for one scene. It's just edited. With, there's, it's not there until one little clip, and then it's gone. <laughs> but I I noticed it, like, right o- oh, away. Well, yeah, it's hard not going, to notice. Okay, kids but- play with- is that a six shooter? But it flashes <laughs> in and out like it's nothing. It's perfect. No, he's got it poor. He's holding up like this, yeah, nothing by yeah, his head. Exactly. But it's there just for a second, then it's gone. Like <laughs> But one thing I do want to talk about yes. before we move forward Go for is it. what I really thought was clever and I had noticed from the last time I watched this okay. is that Mad Max has a language of itself. What do you mean? What I mean is, like, it has, like, this dialogue to where it's, like, when Knight Rider's initially going on the, uh, driving on the road before he is killed, he's saying, do you see me now, Toe Cutter? It's all about, do you see me? Furiosa, witness me. Who's Furiosa? A a couple (laughs) years, a couple years from now. About 40 or 50? (laughs) A couple years from now. Okay. But, like... Taking in, like, sucking nitro. Chrome it's like, don't be bronze, be chrome. There's a language throughout. It's a whole dialogue system. I hear what you're saying. I think it's so cool. They do that in a lot of movies that take place in the future where they try to change slang to match what it might be later on. Yeah. You'll see a lot of this type of dialogue in Fast and Furious movies. Family. (laughs) That's nitro. Family. (laughs) That's Cuban NOS. (laughs) I do have to uh, address this. The sound mixing in this movie is atrocious. I couldn't hear half the shit that they were saying. It does. It kind of sounds like it was fucking mixed in a kitchen. Yes. But also here's the thing. When I played the movie, cause I rented it off the voodoo, my closed captioning wasn't working. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I just got to figure out what this is. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, there, there are some scenes where it's really hard. I don't know if I just have the ear for it. Yeah. But I was struggling at some points. For sure. Um so I had an issue with that. But then when I watched it, I, I turned it off for a second and turned it back on the next day because I wanted to remember something and I was putting my notes and the closed captioning was working. Oh, okay. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's, that's a little odd that it turned off at one point point, turned on at the other. But I was having a real issue with understanding what they were saying. But then I remembered something that he said early on in the making of, which is that he wants to be a silent movie. You can watch this movie with the dialogue completely off and understand what's going on. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You don't need dialogue in this movie. At all. You could figure it out just from the scenes that you're seeing. And when I read that in this, wow. it saved yeah. this movie in my eyes from being an F. This is not going to be an F in my eyes now because there's few movies that, that cannot do that. Yeah. There's few movies that are not animated that can do this, and this is one of the first.
1: Yeah, it requires. I even-
0: I can think about. It. Yeah. it's so theatrical. It's so over the top. You can just get the feeling of what's going on. It's very visually. Narrative. Yes, it is. Yeah, and they mentioned later on, like in the in the making ofs and stuff. They talk all oh, the hero's journey. I was like, stop with the hero's journey. Shit with this. There is no There's hero's no journey hero's this. journey in this. There's no hero's journey. Don't all. call Joseph Campbell up on this one. The next day, night riders gang, which is led by Toe Cutter, vandalize property, steal fuel, and terrorize the citizensry. While chewing up a town where the night riders remains arrived by the train, the gang brutalizes a civil civilian couple that tried to escape to the road. The couple is overtaken, then both of them are raped, and the car is wrecked. When the gang showed up and they got off their bikes, I half expected the. <laughs> when you're a jet. Yeah. The- like, it's so, it's theatrical. The gang. The gang is not very scary at all. They just got loud vehicles. I mean, honestly, no, they you, got a puppy too. That shit just annoys the shit out of me. Well, it's like South Park. The <laughs> Yeah, you guys are a bunch of pussies. Well, then he, like, they, they all line up their bikes, and he, one guy puts his hand up, and they all do one more rev. And then they stop. And he like, like a conductor just stops them. I was like, what the <laughs> shit is this? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's hysterical. Is it supposed to be? Yes, it is. How do you know that? I. Don't. (laughs) Is this an action comedy? I think it's a weird gallows pole action comedy. They even paint the dude's butt red. Okay, I'm glad that you mentioned that. We'll get to that in a second. But Um, yeah, they got a puppy. They're weird. Yeah, the car attack was a bit much. They just crossed the annoying to disturbing threshold. So at least you got disturbing in there now. Yeah, absolutely. But- Max and Goose are informed about the incident and go to the crime scene. They find Toe Cutter's young protege, Johnny the boy, and the girl from the car in the middle of the wreckage. Johnny's drug-fueled rantings reveal him as a member of Knight Rider's gang. Goose looks on Johnny with a particular disdain as his leg was broken during Knight Rider pursuit. However, they do not kill Johnny, but arrest him and drag him away in chains. Was the guy... Okay, I asked earlier, was the guy running away... Was his, his ass is bleeding. Was he raped too? Oh, and to my answer, yes, Joe. <laughs> he was raped. <laughs> Dystopias are inclusive. I read that and I started laughing out loud. <laughs> uh one point yeah. to make of this whole shenanigan. Um could and could that actress be the hottest woman of the 70s? No. Who? Because I could not believe my eyes. I, she just looked like a heroine addict, <laughs> honestly. She what? The babe? Didn't even notice, honestly. Oh, okay. Right I, it, did, it didn't even move the meter for me. Oh, okay. My eyes are on the motorcycle gang. My eyes are on... It's like, okay. But here's the thing. They also cut away from anything disturbing happening in this movie. Well, yeah, because Australia is very strict on what you can show. Like, most of the time, like, I know you brought up that Sweden banned this. Yeah. More of the time, it's usually Australia that bans everything. And, uh, for I mean, in, I... I Definitely take that into account, but there are certain things I see in this where I'm like, Sam Raimi would have done that. <laughs> yeah, but you can do that in American cinema. You can't do that in Australian cinema. No, because Sam Raimi's evil that got an X rating. <laughs> yeah, and it was still published where I don't think this would have gotten past Australian. Um, They put the girl and Johnny the boy in the same car together. <laughs> this yeah. is a shitty writing. They couldn't well, have waited for another car. No, you couldn't. It's a gas shortage, remember? You. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I think probably happened is that Goose hung out with Johnny in the back. Let's hope so. Off screen. Off screen. Your interpretation. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Johnny's held at the MFP's dilapidated halls of justice pending a visit from the court because this is still a thing. However, when the attorneys arrive, Johnny is ordered release. The judge has set Johnny free because no witnesses showed up for the trial. Uh, A shocked Goose attacks Johnny and must be physically restrained. Both Goose and Johnny shout threats of revenge at each other. The second in command of the biker group, Bubba Zanetti, arrives at the courthouse to pick up Johnny on orders from the tow cutter. Bubba does so begrudgingly because he hates Johnny for his rowdiness, lack of style, and drug addiction, and hates the toe cutter's favoritism towards Johnny. How does Toe Cutter get his name? Because he cuts toes off. Where? Off screen again? Yeah. (laughs) A lot of shit happening off screen. He Why Why is Rufio named Rufio? Is he Rufian Bitches off screen? That's his actual name. How do you know? It says so in the credits. Well, that's his name in the credits. (laughs) I'll give George Miller this. He knows how to film vehicles on the road. And you can tell that this movie served as a type of blueprint for future car chases at cinema. But after watching this, I then watched the French Connections car chase. And I thought, well, got a lot of ideas from the French Connection. Look, you can get influences. He still films a damn good automobile scene. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the French Connection chase? No. Check it out. It's like seven minutes long. No, oh, jeez. Yeah, it's and Gene Hackman crashes the shit out of everything. He wrecks the <laughs> road. <laughs> um, I in this scene, <clears throat> before he orders his gang to shoot the poor innocent mannequin, <laughs> Toe Cutter has the shotgun, basically leaning on his shoulder right next to his ear and fires. Yes, a shotgun. Yes, he does. <laughs> I'm pretty sure both of those eardrums would be gone, but the one right next to the gun for sure should be bleeding. Oh, he would absolutely be concussed by that force. Yeah. Yeah. Um Max seems like the least mad of anyone at the MFP. Yeah, he's chill. He hasn't been broken yet. We're going to see the breaking in the second act. Yes. It's not more it's not like I don't think it's angry what you're thinking. We're not gonna see him go mad. It's madness. We're not gonna see that in the second act. Fine. We're not gonna see it really until midway through the third act. <laughs> oh well yeah. <laughs> he doesn't go mad till twenty minutes are well, left no, in the movie. It's, it's the creation. It's the fall into madness. <laughs> it's the breaking of the mind. I like what you're I like where you're going with this. It's a psychological thing. It's a psychological thing. All right, all right. I'll buy into it. I'm I'm the tour guide here. Did- Take me on Sherpa. Sit down. Strap the fuck in. Take me up Everest, Sherpa. We're doing it. We're going. Shortly thereafter, Johnny the boy sabotages Goose's motherfucking police motorcycle while Goose is shacked up with a singer he met at a cabaret. His rear wheel locks up at high speed the next day, throwing Goose from the bike. Goose, however, survives without even suffering road rash. Goose borrows a ute to haul his bike back to civilization. Unfortunately, Johnny ambushes Goose, throwing a brake drum through the ute's windshield, causing Goose to roll the vehicle over. Gas leaks from the field tank, soaking the ground around the truck. Johnny, at the belligerent urging of the tow cutter himself, then burns Goose alive in the wreckage. Now, to be fair, I read the synopsis before I saw this on the screen, and when he got thrown, I was like... That's not thrown from a bike. He just let go. <laughs> well, if you no, uh, well, if you look, the the whole thing gets launched. The bike gets launched. He gets <laughs> launched, it all goes in the air, and that's not what happens when your back wheel locks up. You're more, you're more likely to drop the bike. i to say slide you just slide off, right? But cinema, but it's magic, magic, magic baby, it's magic baby. Um, and I will say this: when he does throw the. Uh, what is it? The brake drum through the windshield. Yeah, I thought it was the hub. Okay, yeah, perfectly timed. Oh yeah, and let me tell you, that's some Waterworld convenience right there. Really is. But then again, Waterworld did get its inspiration (laughs) from from this. this. (laughs) Uh, the only thing I can think of is like they, this fucking biker gang is all over the place. They're crazy, but incredibly precise. Yes, <laughs> um, you know, which I, you know, they sabotage the bike. Get it? He's got to go one road, but it's like, okay, well, what if he went the other way? He wouldn't have because it's like probably ten thousand fucking miles into the next town. But uh, yeah, that was a that was some it's good convenience right there. But I had a hard time watching this because I I already like Goose. I really like Goose. Yeah, and I wish Goose. There we go. HBO, here we go. Idea. Uh-oh. Mad Max and Goose. Uh-huh. Cop duo. Fighting gangs. It, you you want a spinoff series of this? Yes. It, this is a, already a pretty thin plot, Sam. Yeah. How are you going to stretch it- this to 10 episodes? <laughs> I'll write the script. This is a threshold moment, Johnny. Step through. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> Goose survives, but after seeing his charred body in the hospital's burn ward, Max becomes angry and disillusioned with the police force and resigns from the MFP with no intention of returning. This was actually the reason for the banning. Was the hand. The hand? It was too gruesome. Sam Raimi said, Hold my Hold beer. Hold my fucking beer. <laughs> Strap in, ladies. I'm about to see a vine rape a bitch. <laughs> Which I read your original notes for Evil Dead and it says wine's rape. <laughs> oh, it does? <laughs> You put a W instead of V, and I was uh, like, why? That's because I'm a f-ing moron. That's why. Uh, yeah, when the arm comes to the bed sheet, it's pretty gnarly looking for what it and is. I'm going to say that um, maybe you know Jordan Peele might have ripped that off for nope. I don't know. With the palm? No. Okay, never mind. I don't know. I haven't seen Nope yet. Oh, I know. It's just in the trailer. Oh, I, I know it's in the trailer, but, you know. Uh... Okay. On a real on a real note, Joe Sam Raimi would do what George Miller won't. Yes. Okay, fine. You win. Thank you. All I right. still don't think it's a re. I think it's a regional thing. But yes, Sam Raimi did what no man did. No, he copied a lot of shit. <laughs> I'm just I don't saying- remember a movie with vines raping bitches. I'm just saying that these two. I look at George Miller and Sam Raimi as. When I look at these movies, like The Evil Dead, and I see Mad Max, I see so many similarities between the two. And you're right. It is a regional difference. They're both trying to push the envelope in their respective areas. For sure. Yeah. The and Evil Dead pushed them way farther. Absolutely. Way farther. It's a better movie. It, uh, it margin. <laughs> It's just opinions. Marginally better. I will say that is marginally better. Uh, But he also had the freedom of Hollywood. And here's the thing. I don't usually, and I'm not going to do for this, hold directors by their circumstances. If you have the circumstances, you got to work within the circumstances and you got to make it work the best you can. And, there are certain things that George Miller does where I feel like he's pulling his punches and he, if he had just framed something differently or turned it around this way or that, it may have worked. But there were plenty of things in Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead where I would say the exact same thing. So I'm not elevating one over the other here. I'm just saying that circumstances Sam Raimi took advantage of and just said, fuck you, I'm making an X movie. And George Miller said, I just want to make something that people will watch. I can't blame him for that. And yes, if you get burned alive and survive, yeah. Just, if if I get burned alive and I and I'm like that, f- find another co-host. I will, and then re- kill me. I, well, I'll do. I'll, I'll do the kill first, and then find because I could still put a microphone in front of your charred mouth and get you to talk. Oh my god! Please don't. I mean, I our Mad Max. Sorry, Elga. Give me water. <laughs> Too many f- 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 feminism in that movie. I hate guns. <laughs> Um, What about the chief? <laughs> uh, I'm getting a little bit of. Oh, who is it? Uh, I'm super. No, Thanks for asking. Hold on, <laughs> hold, on hold on, Finland gays. <laughs> hold on, hold on. What a Tom search. Tom of Finland. What Five. a search. Finland gays. <laughs> no, the, do you know Tom of Finland? No. Look up Tom of Finland. It's a whole fucking thing. What is it? Just do it. Just tell me it's what it is. It's a person. Just do it. Just tell me. I what? can't describe it. You just have to look and you'll know exactly Tom what I'm talking about. Tom of Finland. You're not going to see anything you're going to regret. Oh, Me, yes, I am. You are. What is this shit? What? thomas this is like what the? Yeah, it's a (laughs) bondage daddy with a mustache. (laughs) I love how you're like totally normal. This is this is this is a big deal in Finland. He has his own vodka. So you're getting that image off the chief. Yes, I do too. Now that I've seen those mustache. Little sparkle, sparkle. I will say this: when I first saw him, I thought, "Am I going to see all leather? Am I going to see him again in Raiders of the Lost Ark as the bald guy that the bald Nazi that fights Indiana Jones on the airman? Dude, term? is that him? I don't know. It could be. It very well could be. I hope it is." <laughs> <laughs> Max takes a road trip with his wife, an infant son, and the relatively. Oh, peaceful- we're just gonna go past the robe and the cigar and watering his plants as well. Is there anything that scene that's worth talking about? I think this is a very pivotal character. Oh, that has by all a lot means, of emotional structure. Tell us what to you think like about Max. This. And as a father figure oh, yeah? as well, and maybe just maybe like a little spark of a love interest, but you never know because it's deep seated within virtual, you know, kid child trauma mm. that is brought out maybe later in the series. It's hard. Who knows? We can explore this with Tom Hardy's. Later, interpretation of Mad Max. It's hard to tell with with those glistening pecs on on that bald guy. (laughs) (laughs) And the sweat beating off his chest. Next time on 12 Seconds. His name was Fifi McAfee. (laughs) (laughs) Fifi, you love me. I'm super. Thanks for asking. Max takes a road trip with his wife and infant son in the relatively peaceful coastal area north of their home, while on holiday, Max's wife, Jessie, runs into Toe Cutters gang who harass her. She escapes but the gang manages to track her to the farm where she and Max are staying. Jesse and her son are run down by the gang who leave their crushed bodies in the middle of the road. Max arrives too late to intervene. His son is pronounced dead on the scene while his wife suffers massive injuries. I just want to say, you you summed 40 minutes of this movie into one paragraph. That's because you didn't need 40 minutes of this movie to tell what this part was. Yes, I will say (laughs) this part really slows down. I wish like the harassment and the escape. Cool. Yeah. I'm bored. Yeah. Tracking down where Max went. Sure. Give me some, like going into the woods. Like, I don't know. There's not enough. Like when the wife and child die. Yeah. I feel it and it's mission accomplished, but I feel like the time before could have been spent a little better building that up a little bit to be even more harsh I could have used a scene or two more with him and his wife to feel the loss. Yes. Like it hurts, but I don't feel that like, Oh my God, you need to find them. Yes. kill them. But I'm going to say something about the pacing of this movie later on that. I thought it was like beating the drum that you've been beaten for miracle and for top gun. But apparently you're going to find an exception with this one, which is that when there's downtime that's a massive problem with this movie. Oh, yeah, no. It goes from sucking nacho to just... <laughs> I love how everybody's saying you got the Australian accent. Well, you're saying toe-cutter wrong, too, by the way. How should I say it? Toe-cutter. Okay, I'll do my best at to toe-cutter. There you go, yes. Um, I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> no, this movie's like sucking nacho, and then it stole idols. Yes. It just goes to a stall... Idols and then goes right back to sucking nitro. And she runs into the well. She walks into the woods. She hits the beach. And then when she's walking, it then she sees the neighbor. The neighbor says, "Watch out for Simple Jack." Right? Whatever the heck his name was. What was his name? <sighs> Sam. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, but when look out for Johnny. He's a nice boy. Which is walking no back harm. through the forest, and she sees the shadows of people. I'm like, okay. And then she sees simple Jack. Yeah. And my first thought, I'm sure you have hot fuzz. Yes. Okay. The bald, Yarp. mentally challenged. Yarp. That's what I thought of. Yarp. I was like, please say Yarp. Just please. please. <laughs> just. Fuck. you <laughs> <laughs> He's our sloth. He, yes. Yes, he is. But what I love but is just that. Just for like two seconds and he's gone. Well, Enough she for- runs back and he's chasing her also. Yeah, he doesn't know what's going on. But she goes straight to t- Bell Gibson, and he just kind of walks on over to Ma. <laughs> talks, I was like, what was the point of that? He's just the kid. <laughs> He's just there. Dead child. Yeah. Um, was the scene earlier a foreshadowing of this, or was it just to show danger on the road? Danger on the road. Okay. Danger on the road, but... Because this wasn't, because that incident was just happenstance. The kid happened to wander in the middle of the road during a car chase, which (laughs) you can't hear or see. Right. But this was, they were chasing them down and aimed at running them over. I noticed also, there wasn't a whole lot of this movie that was sped up. Not a whole lot, but when it was... It was really sped up. I mean, there's some good quick cuts in here. Yeah. That I know he's famous for apparently is mm-hmm. quick cuts, but He does it in Fury Road. One of the things that I noticed was I was just sitting there going, Wow, they're they're using real time speed for the most part of this movie. Oh yeah. Uh and as it, in the first era, the first uh scene, when you see the kid in the middle of the road, my first thought was, which parent said, Yeah, you can use my kid for this scene. <laughs> Look, trying to get that kid in acting one way or another. Um, So this apparently is when Max is going to go mad. Yeah. This is the moment. This is the moment. Number one, best friend, burned alive, probably should just be dead. And then his wife and his child killed by the same gang that's been tormenting them. And he's just, he's fucking had it. Well, tormenting her. They really haven't been tormenting him. Well, no, they've been tormenting everybody. You wouldn't know it from him because Mel Mel Gibson does. Well, some, yeah, but they f- can stay away from him. I will say this about Mel Gibson because I think he acts the shit out of this movie. Uh, most people say he's a shit actor in this movie, but I think he acts the shit out. Oh of my it. God, he's fucking great in this movie. He There's a scene where they're at the, uh, the gas station or okay. the mechanics place. Yeah. And he kind of looks back at her with this goofy Mel Gibson look. And I was like, that's the origin of the look right there. That, <laughs> that. <laughs> and i was like "Ah, there's there our star is. there's the charisma yes but yeah this is here's the thing there's 20 minutes left in this movie now yeah there's 20 minutes left now he's mad and my thought is okay we're gonna see a terminator style rampage no that'll be in the road warrior i guess mm. please just watch it just watch and enjoy it but but also you missed out on oh. the the Shakespearean like the granny has the shotgun and the gang has the baby and then the one dude that's just hanging up just like Okay being Peter Pan. I didn't know what the f that was, but you laughed. I of course I did, but I don't think I was supposed to. Yes, I think you are. I <laughs> They're out of their fing minds. I think that I think you missed the tone of the movie, Sam. This wasn't supposed to be funny. Is it not is it not supposed to be like super dark humor? No. I'd like to talk to Mr. Miller about this. <laughs> it's supposed to be so manic it's it disturbing. I mean, look, there's fucking psychos. I get it, but maybe maybe it's my really fucked up sense of humor. I will say this, if you got if you watched this movie originally and you saw it as a as an action comedy, God bless you, graded as such. No, well I wouldn't say this is an action comedy. I would say it's an action movie with really dark humor. Yeah. I would say graded as such. Do I mean well, no, I'm grading it as an action movie that just has bits of really (laughs) dark humor and just wild outlandish things that just happen. There's no jokes. They're just out of their mind. (laughs) Yes, they're out of their mind. Okay, filled with obsessive rage, Max once again dons his police... Uh, oh, wait, he grabs the mask first. Remember he's got yes, that... Yes, he grabs the, the mask, mask. mask and fucking... But he can't break it. can't be good-looking Answer Does that mask know. come back at all? No. Okay. Uh, Max once again dons his police outfit, straps on straps on his... So- Leather chaps. I shouldn't, have sh- I shouldn't have stopped there. His sawn-off shotgun and steals a supercharged black pursuit special to pursue the gang. He... But, he methodically hunts down and kills the gang members. Several gang members are forced off the bridge at high speed while others spill their bikes. Max shoots Bubba off his cycle with a shotgun. Then Bubba shoots Max in the leg with a pistol first, though, giving Max a limp that is consistent throughout the series, then runs over his exposed arm. He continues the limp through uh, the limp through the other movies? I don't think so. Oh, they just said that, it, like, they were like, oh, yeah, he still got a limp and all those. I haven't. I'll have to re I like I'll have to rewatch if note, if, it. If he still has If there's the- consistency, this makes this movie even better for me. Well, it makes the other movies good cuz they followed the blueprint. They didn't try to re- correct, correct yeah. something. Um Yeah, that, Okay, Max struggles back into his car and pursues the tow kata into a forbidden area. Was that better? Yeah. That okay. Right. Max struggles back into his well, I Max forces the gang's leader into the path of a speeding tractor trailer and he is crushed in a head-on collision. <sighs> okay his eyes literally pop out of their sockets before they hit the truck. Oh I laughed so hard it was amazing which <laughs> it's so bad they look like they're charred underneath what? the mask. huh when Toh when he, when you see his eyes, it looks like the skin around them is like charred. Oh, I think that's just like his makeup and the dirt and the dry. Oh, okay. I don't think it's char, but uh, either way, his fucking eyes pop out of the fucking skull. Do so you notice that? When Mad Max, ah! when Max gets ready and gets uh, all ready to go and walks off in the garage, he disappears like a specter. <laughs> that's so sick. Because <laughs> <laughs> that f-ing car, not dude, I'm sorry, that car is fucking deep in that garage. Yes, they're just gonna like have him walk all the way now they're going to do the disappear. Yes, he's going to be a fucking spirit come out of <laughs> a fucking night rider. We've addressed this earlier sir. So I'm not going to do a rant on this, but if there's an oil and a gas shortage. Why are they so like let's drive everywhere? Like when there's a gas shortage right? Gas prices suck right now. I'm not driving anywhere. Here's the thing. <laughs> It's like water world. Here, here's it's like thing. water world when all the oil is on that one rig, but they keep <laughs> shoot now with the little ski news and, and sharks that can find people. <laughs> Aquaman. Uh, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. My only answer is <clears throat> generally in times of crisis, people don't change their habits. Um, now speaking for the gang members. Yeah. They just, who gives a shit? They're stealing the shit so they can do it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have told you this was a dystopia. I couldn't have told you there's an oil shortage. Yeah. But I don't remember seeing that in the movie itself. It's not explained. So that's my only argument is, well, it's not said in the movie, so it's not really there. So just out of curiosity, because it was never explained, and you saw this long before I ever did. Did you assume when you first saw it that it was to that degree of dystopia? No. I thought this was before the Road Warrior dystopia. Okay. I thought this was like... The before, and then there's the during. Okay. See, when I was watching it, my first thought was, because I know, I've seen parts of Fury Road. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of it takes place in sand. Yeah. Okay, it looks like it's Tatooine. That's um, where it goes after this. Yeah. Well, that's where I was. I was like, why am I seeing all these rich fields of farming in a dystopian future? Yeah, Wasteland (laughs) is not appropriate for this movie. Yeah. Uh, Mad Max has his arm run over. It's not broken? Huh? Man, his man Max, his arm—he gets run over by a motorcycle. Yeah, I'd argue he wouldn't break it. Oh, I've never broken. I a don't motorcycle. know. Uh, I've never broken a bone, but I, I mean, he got shot in the knee. That that hurt him. So that, I know he's not invincible. Really, that special effect looked good. It looked, but I love the way he was dragging it too. Oh my god! Yeah, he looked like he actually got shot. Yeah, I was very impressed. It was good, and also I kept looking to see his arm to see if he was gonna like prop himself up with his arm. He never no. does once. Mel fing Mel Gibson Mel. Gibson. Mel fing. I just hissed at him. <laughs> yes. The f okay. am I watching? Okay. Here, here's the <laughs> Joe. As, yeah. your, as your tour. Guide, oh, my Sherpa. As your Sherpa. Yes. yes. You're gonna see a lot of things in the coming Road Warrior and especially. Especially Thunderdome. <laughs> Embrace. The lunacy and the weirdness. Because it's going to be real weird. I love the hissing because it's just one more element. It's just one more element of like, dude, you're f- out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> you're a f***ing nutcase. Well, I will say this. The head-on collision with the truck is f- King awesome oh yes <laughs> that, absolutely that may have saved this movie for me that shot right there that was like vader at the end of rogue one was, and i was like okay you're passable dude and like the bad guy in water world <laughs> with the jet skis where they explode before they touch <laughs> <laughs> bungee cords down <laughs> with a rope with a rope <laughs> Okay. Um, Oh, God. Max. Let's do the Waterworld again. (laughs) Waterworld (laughs) 2. Let's do it again. again. Max later finds Johnny the boy taking the boots off a dead driver at the scene of a crash. Johnny desperately tries to convince Max that the man was dead when when he found him and that his drug addiction has made him mentally unbalanced. Max doesn't listen and handcuffs Johnny's ankle to the wrecked overturned vehicle with a ruptured petrol tank. Max lights a crude time delay fuse and gives Johnny a hacksaw, leaving him the choice of sawing through either the handcuffs, which will take 10 minutes, or his ankle, which will take five, and then drives off into the desolate outback, ignoring Johnny's frantic ramblings. The camera shows Max's car from the front with a large and fiery explosion in the distance behind it, leaving Johnny's fate unknown. Max blankly continues to drive in a rainstorm into the outback, a shell of his former self. Saw, you stole from this movie, you (laughs) bastard. You cheeky bastard. I didn't know you stole from this. It's clever. (laughs) As soon as you put the hex on, I was like, no. I'd like to play a game. (laughs) We're going to light the fuse. If you can cut yourself off, you're free. It was a great line. You can either cut, you can either do this or you can do this. Yeah. When we'll take 10, we'll take five. Good luck. I don't know how long it's going to take for it to blow it up. Um, That's all, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, according to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes has a tomato meter reading of 89%. Eight fresh, one rotten. The critics on average get it almost 7.6 out of 10. Uh, the consensus says, quote, staging the improbable car stunts and crashes to perfection, director George Miller succeeds completely in bringing the violent post-apocalyptic world of Mad Max to visceral life. I'm wondering if this was written after Road Warrior. Well, here's the thing, and I'm kind of with you on. Um, I don't remember where your point was. I feel like a lot of people blow a lot of smoke up Miller's ass. I say it in my, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, critics' rating. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. I, and I'll let you get there. I won't yeah. say much about it. Yeah. But, would I give this an eight, 89 out of a hundred? Absolutely not. No, um, well, that just means eighty nine percent thought it was a six or higher. Yeah, they uh, gave it a seventy a seventy six out of 100, a hundred, a seventy six percent. Yeah, um, I also don't think this is a violent post apocalyptic world come to life. No, so I don't see what they see. But I'm also trying to think of, or maybe what? When was this review done? I don't know. I know this. This was done this movie was done in seventy nine. I'm trying to think of a post apocalyptic movie before seventy-nine. Zolt, I, Zoltar, um Chris Chris uh, Sean Connery's. Is that called Zoltar? It's Zolt, it starts with a Z. Zartan? Zartan? Zartan. Okay. Zoltar was the the machine in big. Yeah, and then Zoltan <laughs> was dude, where's my car? Yes. <laughs> a lot of Z's. That was a post apocalyptic, like Yes. Okay. Which was in a desert. And obviously it got fucking weird. Yeah. The penis is evil. I don't know. Well, anyway, let's take a look at the critics that said this one was rotten. See what they had to say. Tom Buckley, New York Times says, quote, Mad Max is ugly and incoherent and aimed probably accurately at the most uncritical of movie <laughs> It's the first Damn. film of a guy's oeuvre. It should look like a student film. Spielberg's duel is no feat. <laughs> How's American Graffiti? It's okay. okay I, I own I've it. I've never seen it. I own it. I don't I, I, think I'll ever watch it. Yeah, it's, It was the inspiration for Happy Days. And the uh, the scooters in Mandolin, or Man- oh. uh, Boba Fett. Mm. Okay, Peter Aykroyd of The Spectator says, quote, suffers from a case of terminal fatigue. <laughs> I don't get that one. I think I don't understand that one because it's, there's, there's enough action in between the fatigue parts. Yeah. To keep you going. Um, Jeff Beck of the blue spot says, quote, while Mad Max has been hailed as a classic by some, it becomes plain, plain to see that the reputation is not entirely deserved thanks to a bare bones plot that doesn't even fill 90 minutes and a sluggish pace that will leave viewers struggling to stay awake. I don't really agree with Jeff either. I'll say this. I'd... I like the bare bones plot piece. Yeah. It's simple. It works. I don't think the way that this is worded does it justice because there is a sluggish pace when you get to the part where they're at their beach house, whatever it absolutely. is. Absolutely, absolutely, it fucking stalls. I don't know how I feel about that, Jeff. The blue spot. I don't. I, you made better music. Okay. The, <laughs> now the audience score, which is the average rating the audience gives this film, is a three point seven out of five, with seventy percent agreeing it's a three or higher. Yeah. Uh, movies over. Were you entertained? And I'm going to say, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I was supposed to be laughing as much as I did, though. Um, <laughs> Sam, <laughs> were you entertained? Thank you for asking. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. I easily give this three Toms of Finland out of Three five. Toms of Finland? <laughs> Two shiny pecs out of five. Well... Let's see what everybody else thought. Let's see if the awards got it right. And at the Academy Awards, it was nominated for... Zero! <laughs> Luckily at the Globe and Globes, it was also nominated for... Zero! But here's the thing, it cleaned up at the Australian Awards. Oh, dope. Oh yeah, it, it beat a bunch of other movies you've never heard of. Okay. <laughs> But anyway, that's the awards right there because there was no MTV. There was no Saturn back then. There was like Mad Max. That's the way to go. Uh, all right, on to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight and the lowlights. So let's start. And because uh, you are the nominee, I will start my number three. The Car Motorbike Chases are filmed intensely and I appreciate the level of care taken to try to tell a story with them. I appreciate that. May that? I interrupt you really you quickly. may cool another thing i saw is when they are stealing gas from the semi mm-hmm. after the they killed the wife and the child they are doing similar stunts to fury road okay the pole vaulting thing yeah and for 79 i was i was very impressed by that shot so not only automobile scenes and crashes but stunts associated with cars and non-car objects basically everything they did to break the law on the roads was impressive it was impressive it was impressive i have to i i gotta give george miller this is if sam Raimi's deal is cheap ass gore george miller's is chases yeah he knows how to film that shit here goes, I sped, I followed too closely, I ran a stop sign, I almost hit a Chevy, I sped some more, I failed to yield at a crosswalk, I changed lanes at the intersection, I changed lanes without signaling while running a red light, at speeding! <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> my number two, I can see why Mel Gibson became a star if this was his first vehicle. He shines over everyone else in this. And my number one, George Miller did a lot in 1979 with practically no budget. Just like Ramey. And I got to give him props for that. I hold Ramey in pretty. He's one of my top 20. Miller is in there now. He's he, he's in there. I, I appreciate what... Oh, is that what you appreciate about me? Letter Kenny. There it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what are your highlights? Uh, number three is the motor scenes. Yes. Just there isn't a dull one. They're shot so well. Even when it's just a motorcycle on the road... Driving, it's exciting. It makes me want to get on a bike. It makes me want to smell gasoline and burnt oil. It it just it's so well done. Especially this is his first before being real. This is his first fucking movie. It is his first movie, and what like astonishing. Uh, My number two is I love the bad guys in this. They're they're not memorable. I mean, they're memorable. They're memorable, but but not in like an evil bad guy way. (laughs) Toe Cutter is such a cool gang member that's sporadic and volatile, but they're so quirky and theatrical. They just remind me of a pack of wild dogs. Okay. And it's interesting to me. Okay. Um, And then my number one is just this movie being made in general with the budget just edit like just the, I think it's the thing. My number one is just this movie was basically done in a garage. Yes. If you will. And that alone for me deserves the recommendation to others is to see what somebody can do with nothing. For I, I, I want to piggyback off what you said, because I think what's also impressive is the fact that, It wasn't like six years later, Road Warrior comes out. It's like two. Which means that someone said, oh, fuck, let's do that. And whomever said that, you are responsible for George Miller. 100%. Like someone in a dark room had to say, you "You know. We got happy feet. (laughs) I like simple places like butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. All right. Time for the bottom three. Time to vent. Okay. My number three, everyone not named Mel Gibson needs to take an acting class from mid-90s. Mel Gibson. You didn't like goose? Including Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, my number two, the soundtrack. It's dated. It's confusing. It reminds me of when you were talking about the soundtrack of another movie we did where you're like, it's doing one thing when the scene should be doing something completely different. (laughs) (laughs) It's in too often. It's mixed over the dialogue. Oh yeah. Well, it's, 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 I know it was done on a shoestring kitchen table. Mixed in a kitchen. Yes. Uh, and my number one, there is nothing menacing about this gang today. I don't feel like tokata is the unbeatable force. You kick him in the nuts. That's it. it. Yeah. I mean, he really doesn't do anything in this movie. He just delegates everybody else to do shit. Yeah, he's a good groomer. I'll give him that. He's a good groomer. He needs grooming. <laughs> no, I mean, like, <laughs> grooming uh, younger people. Yeah. And, like, mentally fing with them to control them. Like, Bubba Zanetti was scarier. Oh, Bubby was, was. Bubba's creepy. Bubba was the Victor Zaz of this movie. Oh, nice. Where you're you're kind of like, I, I'm not worried about the penguin. I'm worried about the motherfucker f- f- over here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what are your three? My no. My bottom three. Uh, audio isn't great. Yeah. Sound. You know, it sounds like it was edited and mixed in a kitchen because it was. <laughs> uh, the usually the the outside world and effects or music are overlapping with the voice acting, and it's just sometimes it's really hard to understand anything, even if you have a good ear for Australian. Yes. Um, number two is everybody keeps saying dystopia. This ain't a dystopia. Uh, they got a couple of years before that happens. Yes. Um, but it's not their fault. I think it's just, you know, maybe they should have gone way the fuck out in the outback where it is a fucking wasteland. But At they are too they'd close. They'd lose half st- their, they'd lose half their crew <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Um, and then the first was, it's a shoestring budget movie from 79. Yeah. I'd like to see anybody do any better, but it just doesn't look good. It hasn't aged well, no. but it's still fucking bitching. But this is my bottom three. So yeah, yeah, it looks like shit. It sounds like shit and the acting is shit. Sometimes the dialogue is shit. Yeah. Well, but then again, you could turn the whole thing. You could mute the whole thing and still get the story. And that's the up part is you can mute it and it's a good silent film. It's a good silent film. It's yeah. a good silent film. Yeah. There's just a problem. You have to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, time for the critics rating. We use an A to F scale here. A is the highest. F is the lowest. C is average. If this movie receives Fs from everybody, it goes to a new category of movie, the movie Planet Global Killer. But what do we give 1979's Mad Max in the action-adventure movie today by today's standards? So I'm going to go first. And I say, well, this is a first. We've rarely started a franchise, and the first movie is this bad. (laughs) This could be compared to anything, however. I would say that this movie is comparable to the Evil Dead in the horror pantheon. A first for a director who would ultimately do much more with his franchise. If you want to get to Fury Road, you got to start by driving the outback with Mel Gibson in this movie. I know when people talk about Mad Max, they're actually talking about Fury Road. In fact, I bet if you asked many people how many Mad Max films there were before Fury Road, they would say around two. You know, they always remember Thunderdome and they tend to jam Mad Max and the Road Warrior together as one movie. And uh, you shouldn't do that. You got to keep them separated. First. <laughs> Different waterfowl. First, George Miller is, in my humble opinion, and I'm just going to get this sound out now because I know I'm going to hear it. In my humble opinion, is one of the most overrated directors in Hollywood. Boo! yeah he's won a lot of awards but not too many for direction okay and these are all the movies he these are all the movies he's directed (laughs) since mad max he does mad max eh, the road warrior in my opinion i haven't seen it all the way through twilight zone the movie he did one scene in there the nightmare at twenty thousand feet which is memorable in my eyes Oh, I love that scene. I remember that one over all the others. Uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I say things in my classroom like, welcome to Thunderdome, but I've never actually seen it all the way through. Um, The Witches of Eastwick, which is a guilty pleasure of mine. It's a guilty pleasure, uh, but it's not a great movie. Uh, Lorenzo's Oil, which was Oscar worthy for writing. Uh, Babe, Pig in the City. Oscar worthy. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Happy Feet was an Oscar winner. Happy Feet 2? Nope. no. And then there's Mad Max Fury Road, which was an Oscar winner, but not for anything other than technical stuff. Visually a piece of art. So how did he get this reputation for being such an iconic director? I'm not seeing anything in this movie that says, wow, that's something I've never seen before. I mean, if it's because he's a world builder and every world building director ends up with a cult following, then okay, I'll buy in that he has his fan base. But damn, does this movie feel very average. Now that being said, there are certain shots that I can see the beginnings of a really good director on. And there's also shots where I'm like, why, why is that guy in the middle of the wall just posing? What the fuck is that? The pacing is extraordinary. (laughs) On the one hand, this doesn't feel like a three hour movie. And yet it is. It's just told in half the time. On the other hand, this doesn't feel like an hour and a half movie because it's trying to tell twice the story. I had a hard time here grading this because on the one hand, this movie is so bad. I might have a good time watching it with my friends as we laugh at all the parts of this movie that were never meant to be funny. But it has some redeeming moments. Seeing Mel Gibson here is like watching the Big Bang occur. You just know he's on a different level, even if he isn't asked to unfurl those acting wings. And the action is done well enough that I can't ding it for that in the action adventure pantheon. But there are a lot of moments where George Miller shows restraint when I think he should have been more liberal with the shots. Like when the kid gets hit or when the couple's attacked. When you cut away, you don't show the menace, you imply the menace. It's like Captain Marvel. They kept telling you how strong she was before her powers, but didn't actually show you a whole lot. Don't tell me they're evil. Show me they're evil. I really found myself thinking about Sam Raimi's Evil Dead by the end of this movie, though. Even went back to read my comments on The Evil Dead and realized that 90% of what I said there I could say about this movie. The plot is way too thin. There's not enough explained in regards to the setting. The characters are very one note. And ultimately, the bar for an average action movie has been raised quite a bit since 1979. Now, when I graded Sam Raimi's Evil Dead, I gave it a C That being said, I think The Evil Dead is a better horror movie than this is an action movie. Evil Dead moves. This movie doesn't, it doesn't have Mad Mexico bad until the final 20 minutes. I appreciate what this film is. And as an action film in 79, I would have rated this a B or a B plus for nostalgia or film students. But let's not pretend that this is great just because of the car chases. Watch the French Connection from eight years earlier. However, for the casual viewer as a movie, I'm going to give this a D. This, of course, is subject to change if the next movie makes this a relevant origin story a la The Phantom Menace or Star Trek The Motion Picture. However, if it evil-deads itself and keeps rewriting the movie to make it work in the next one, I'll knock it down to a D minus. I cannot, though, give this an F. It's just not an F. I just can't do it. So right now it's a D, but there's room for wiggle room to go up depending on what Road Warrior does with the concept. Sam, you go. For today's standards, being honest, it's not a great movie, but it's not a horrible one. The motor scenes are still exciting, but anything audio-related and performance-wise, aside from Melly Boy and Goosey, (laughs) are incredibly forgettable. The bad guys are just a bunch of man-children taking advantage of their present situation of a quote-unquote post-apocalyptic freedom. I put in quotes because there really isn't much that is actually (laughs) post-apocalyptic. The fact that this movie was even made between the creators and the budget is worth it alone to see what a handful of people can do. The plot is very simple, and I appreciate the simplicity, but there isn't much to discuss other than cops plus bad guys plus bad guys hurt good guy equal revenge. So, For today's standards in this outrageous nitro sucking chugga (laughs) it earns three cut toes out of five. Which in my mind comes to a C minus D plus. Which one? Oh, they're not the same? No. Oh shit. (laughs) If it's any consolation, I had you pegged for a C. Yeah. It's below average though. Well, is it slightly? Yeah. It's just slightly. So C minus C minus. Okay. That's fair. Okay. So when we average our two scores, we get a four out of 12. That is a D plus. I think that is a very fair score for this. I do too. It's going to knock out a good day to die hard. The F 15 moment (sighs) is gone. Uh. Now the question is, and I'm going to put this in your hands because you nominated this. Yes, it's going above Die Hard. 2. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> Christ. Should it go above or below Die Hard Two? <laughs> above <laughs> <laughs> that movie. <laughs> so and stupid. So Die Hard Two will be the That's seventh. Because okay, Mad spot. Max is going to get knocked out eventually, anyways. Well, it gets to sit for a little bit though. Yeah, when it gets we- to sit and marinate. Mad Max is going to be right there, a four out of 12. And if another movie boots one out, let's just say Road Warrior. I mean, I'm assuming Road Warrior is going to knock one out. Oh, yeah, 100%. Road Warrior's going to knock out probably, well, depends. We have to decide on whether or not, it's, well, no, we won't have to decide. Die Hard 2 will be the going one for Road Warrior. And then we'll do Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> it's not getting in there. Well, who knows? I have weird ass tastes. I don't know if I'll be blinded by Tina Turner. You didn't like everywhere all at once. I did not like everywhere, anything all at once or everything everywhere all at once. No, I didn't. Uh, My, I'll be honest with you. When I was looking at this earlier, my first thought was, oh, if he puts us over point break, I'm going to kill somebody. (laughs) Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Point break is safe. But there's a possibility that we could have. Two Mad Max Max movies by the end of the franchise. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to guess, based on what you said earlier, it'll be probably Road Warrior and Fury Road. I think... No. Mad, yeah, Oh, yeah. No, those are going to be... Sorry, I'm doing the math in my head. Yeah, Mad Max is going to be gone. Road Warrior is going to be in. So is Furiosa. Fury Road. Fury Road. Yeah, Yeah. Furiosa is coming up later. Yeah. Supposedly. (laughs) Now, let's get the critics' hats off. You love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above. And I'm going to say above. However, <laughs> <laughs> as we continue our journey through these movies, this may change to a like, depending on whether I like the other movies. And this is a clear tie into a story that I find interesting. The uh, reason I compared this to Phantom Menace earlier is because Phantom Menace, if you look at it, no one can already tell you what the plot is. Sorry. What? One more time. Like the Phantom Menace. If I asked you what the plot of the Phantom Menace is, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is Two mind wizards trying to keep the galaxy safe, but then one wants child, other doesn't. There is no plot. It's just, we start here, we have to end here. Yeah. And I consider it like- a hero's journey. I consider it like chapter one of a book where the chapter one is really just, let's introduce you to the settings and all that stuff. We'll get to the plot later. This is very much this. I look at this like, okay, Maybe this is setting up everything so that when Road Warrior starts, we know we're established in this world. Now we can start the story. So we'll see. Sam, did you love this, like this, or none of the above? I really, really like it. <laughs> but I think it's more nostalgia based. Do you think it, well, that's okay. This is your nostalgia yeah. piece right there. Yeah, no, I really, really like it. If Okay, so amongst your friends, would you recommend it? Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. Amongst, I'd recommend Road Warrior before I did recommend this, but. Now I got a question for you because I was thinking about this also. Road Warrior and, you saw Road Warrior first, right? Yeah. Is this another alien aliens situation where whatever one you see first is the one you revere more? Probably, actually. Yeah. Yeah, because Road Warrior is a totally different beast. Okay. Because the, the, the video that I was watching earlier, they were talking about, yeah, Road Warrior, that's when George Miller goes, okay, now I can, now I got some money, now I can do a now story. Now I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Well. Eh, within reason. Yeah. yeah. Still not going to see any. There's going to be some bald, sweaty chests. Oh, Fifi's it's back? Assless chaps. It's Fifi back? I fucking- no, I wish it was. <laughs> So all we got time for today, Movie Planetiers. Next show we'll look at Mad Max the Road Warrior from 1981 for the action adventure movie Pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Any last words, Sam? Witness me! Hey. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Happy Movie Watching. Do you see me now? Don't cut out! We're out. It really is. Speaking of theatrical, I finally saw West Side Story. Oh! Remember how I told you every every time I went, there was a problem at the theater? Oh, yeah, I remember. I never asked. Yeah. I finally saw it. And? And what a shit show. Damn. (laughs) And here's why. In my mind, I thought they're going to keep the songs, modernize the dance. No, why would you do that? That's, that's exactly it. me, because I just- That's West Side Story. Well, I watched the original West Side Story and I was like, okay, let me watch this new one. And I watched the new one. I was like, what's the fucking difference? There's, well, number now one. Now you had Baby Driver in there? <sighs> I, Maria can sing her ass off. She can go fuck herself. I could not, <laughs> I'm, the, my only gripe with this movie was I couldn't stand- Maria <laughs> and Tony the two main f- motherfucking characters. I couldn't stand them. I, I thought Tony was awkward. Yes. I like there's nothing in Maria she, she, I, I don't maybe I don't like like Sopranos. I thought she was great. But- I I thought she was just plain and bland and well compared nothing. to all the other characters in the movie she is dude um um oh my god uh, Anita yes holy fuck she she I where the fuck does she come from she she's the sing? show star she's she a showstopper can, oh my god she can sing she can act yes she can dance she's unfucking believable yes give me more of her she stole the show for me yeah I, I just I was like uh, they're still doing. I was like, That's stop it! It's, stop it! It's ballet musical." Uh, doesn't have to be. If you're going to reimagine it, no. reimagine it with the same songs but different. No, no, because you because you can't do that. You can't modernize it. Now, I will say that there was a new West Side Story coming out before the pandemic that was a reimagining it was getting rave reviews, but because the pandemic happened, it never opened past previews. A different one than Spielberg was doing? Yes. And a Broadway version. Oh, like an original. Okay. I thought in theater. Modern, a modern West Side Story that looked amazing. I had tickets to go to New York just for that. And it got scrapped. Which is kind of funny because West Side Story is just a modern Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Well, that's all it is, except it's not... Leonardo DiCaprio. No, no. Have you watched anything good lately? Have I? Yeah. Uh Barry? You mean movie? Okay, or I TV finished show? Barry. I finished Barry. I think it was overhyped for me. I think it was overhyped. Oh, okay. Because everybody kept telling me, wait till you see the end. And I was like, Well, I feel like Is that... there another episode? Well, no, I feel like that about every fucking show. Okay. The cliffhanger. I, yeah, I liked it. I mean, it was Barry. I liked Barry. Yeah, I thought, uh, I, I think Bill Hader is such an underrated director. I think. Oh yeah, because he, he directed the last one, didn't he? He's directed and written every single one. Oh, has he? I didn't know he directed all of them. Yeah. Oh. He's so underrated. He, wow. His directing skills are weirdly impressive. Yeah. Shot for shot. You know what's funny is the shot at the end when, i uh, not going to spoil it, but the end shot when you see the close of his face and the shit happens around him. Oh, my God. It killed me. My first thought when I saw this was he lifted this so well from Weeds because Weeds did it the oh, same way. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The bust. Yeah. And I was like, what a smart move. Smart move because you got to take this somewhere. Yeah, I mean it's it's getting to that point where it's like he's not Dexter final. <laughs> yeah, no. But that's and that's what like I've had a I've had some arguments with people um because they're just like, well this isn't isn't it just Dexter? And I go, It's not even close. It is not even the same ballpark as Dexter. No. No. It's Dexter's It's better in almost every single way. Oh, that's where I would differ. I would say Dexter's better in every single way. Oh, okay. But Dexter also has more time in the episodes to develop things. Barry does not. Barry only has 30 minutes. Wow. Oh, yeah. But for a 30-minute show, it does, I think, as close to a Dexter as you could possibly get mm-hmm. with a different flavor to it. Because yeah. Dexter was not a funny show. I mean, it was. It had its funny moments, but you couldn't put Ho Hank oh in Dexter. <laughs> One of the best characters ever. Hi, Barry. I'm Noho Hank. <laughs> Are you being like serious <laughs> right now? Are you Saw Patch Kids right now? <laughs> <laughs> he is. oh so, Noho Hank. It's so weird seeing him like that too, because I'm like the only the only place I know him from. He <laughs> wears the hat and goes in the closet. Barry, it's me. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's fucking you. <laughs> the only other place I know him from is the Gotham TV show when he was Victor's uh, ass. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was not like, hi, I'm Victor. It was <laughs> 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 like, and I don't think you don't see Noho Hank in the first episode until like 15 minutes in. And you're like, because I'm suddenly going, where is Hank? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've come for Hank. Um, yeah, no, that's a fantastic show. And I've, of course, been binging. Letter Kenny. Yes. Uh, I recommend um, to everybody out there, you need to start watching the show on Hulu. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, spread the word. And then Shorzy. And now. Uh, Avoid Little Kenny. It's not worth your time. I haven't even tried that. I watched it. They're like four minute episodes. <sighs> yeah. uh, the Boys. I'm all caught up. <gasps> the Boys. So stressed out. The Boys is so good right now. So stressed out. I think this is my favorite season. This is probably the best season. Yeah. I think it is. It might be the best season. Yeah. That's saying something. Uh, and then Diabolical is very enjoyable. I watched that two, three days ago, finally. I was yeah. like, let me see this. And I went through the, I was like, that was actually really good. Yeah. It's great. The boys is golden. Um, I gave in and I watched season Stranger Things season three and four. Today I finished four. Okay. One. What are your thoughts? Uh It got way better than season two because I I was not impressed by season two. And I actually apparently- Is that why you waited on it? I didn't give a fuck after season two. Mm. I was over it. And apparently a lot of people had that issue Yeah, where they were, because the first season was obviously amazing. The second (laughs) season felt like they were spinning their wheels. They were spinning their wheels. They got too much fucking ego in the whole sister goth thing that's never played out. Ever again. Yeah. I'm glad because that was the worst part of it. Um, (laughs) No. Season three was awesome. Uh, Unfortunately, that show gives me such existential crisis and wanting to be a kid again. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, I can't, obviously. None of us can. Um, But also that I hate that I didn't grow up in the 80s. Oh. It fucking kills me to my core because that's like that is the decade well for me like and i said something earlier i posted i was like is anybody else kate bushed out at this point is that a fox news chick no kate bush is the one that sings the song uh uh oh run the, up the hill or whatever it is oh, yeah. i fucking hate that song yeah it's like as soon as it's like kate, awful my brother started playing it in the truck i was like what the fuck are we listening to it's like oh it's a strange thing song yeah it's dog shit then it's dog shit now it's like everyone is like discovering it for the first time and i'm like it's a bad song. Can it go away yet? <laughs> Come on. There's yeah. one episode in season four where they literally play it on a loop. <laughs> well, and it's also like, it's like all the fucking nutsacks who went to see the Batman and all of a sudden the fucking Nirvana song is their favorite song in the world. Uh. Like, you don't listen to Nirvana. You just uh. watch the Batman one time. It's, Yeah that chant and and i don't even like that song it's a cool intro you know, I don't, it's, it's not a great song this the show we're doing is coming after black widow and black widow opens with that one nirvana song the same one no they do uh it smells like teen spirit oh okay. but they have it done differently for the montage at the beginning and i love it it sounds so eerie. I'll have to l- listen to it. Yeah. Because um, it's when they're showing her growing up in the institution. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the movie is besides Chloe Moritz. Uh, in... Black, Black Widow? Yeah, the sister. That's, that's not Chloe Moritz. What's what's her name? That's uh, Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh, sorry. Florence Pugh. I think you have kick-ass. Hit girl. Yes. <laughs> uh, Flore- okay, so... Black Widow, besides Florence Pugh, uh, incredibly forgettable. Well, we gave it an average score of a C minus. That is better than I would have given it. I gave it. I give Florence a plus. I gave it a C. Steve gave it a D plus. Why well, don't trust Steve? No, no offense to Steve. <gasps> uh, I don't trust his ratings. He gave it a D plus. Oh, I thought you said he gave. I gave it a C. Oh, I don't trust. Yeah, well, I don't fucking trust you either. <laughs> You said The Conjuring 2 was great, and you should go see it. Okay. Says the guy who says Miracle's not a hockey movie. It's a fucking coach movie. It's a coach of what? A sport. What sport? Say it. Doesn't matter. Say it. It's a coach movie. Pracky. Even the producers say it's a coach movie. It's a hockey movie. It's a coach movie. He gave Top Gun a C. Yeah. Find me a better Air uh, air Navy movie. Okay. Give me a week. I'll give you a week. Cool. I got some already in my head. I just can't fucking think of them. If you say stealth, <laughs> this show's over. Well, that's one. So. No, Jessica Biel's the only ass in there that's worth looking at, okay? <laughs> okay.